Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. Marriage started when God decreed a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. It was God's original intent. It was Satan's original attack. And ever since, marriage has been against all odds. Join us for this inspiring series on beating the odds and getting the marriage God wants for us. Well, good to see you guys. Glad to have you here. Hey, we have a special guest with us, actually two special guests with us this morning. Uh, Jerry Daly and his wife, Nan, actually are the founding pastor, or he's the founding pastor of the church, Grace Life Church. And I was his sidekick back when we started this thing, so we're glad to have him come and share with us today. And the reason for that, we're closing out our series called Against All Odds. Jerry and Nan will be celebrating their 52nd wedding anniversary this year. Yeah. 52 years. There's got to be something about it when you've been together longer than you've been apart. You know, when you cross that little line, it's got to be pretty cool. You start to think differently. Hey, I want to talk about one more thing before we welcome Jerry and Nan to the stage, and that is the series that we're starting next week. On the way out the door, you're going to be given a card or cards to go and invite some friends. You don't have these in your hand yet, and you probably can't read from that far. There's a reason for that, because the title of the series is The Power of Sex. And that's about the response I expected. (laughs) Troy, and then the rest of you. (laughs) Just to be clear, this is not a shock value series. Uh, We actually talked about doing it. Then we removed it simply because I didn't want people to think we're just trying to be one of those shocking type churches. But then we had some things happen, and actually it were parents in the church Who came back? You really need to do this, Jimmy. You know, teenagers are facing things. Couples are facing things. This is a huge topic. Will you please go ahead and do the series? And so we are doing this series actually at the request of of, of the parents in the church at this point. And what I've discovered in, in my experience so far is that this is one of the most distorted things from what God intended. It's, it's totally ripped off nobody, almost nobody, there might be a tiny percentage out there, are actually living in what God intended for them, not the before marriage, not the after marriage. It's going to be a really good series. It'll be safe for kids, but it's also going to be pretty uh, honest about what we're facing and what God wants from us and uh, what God uh, intends for our lives on both sides. So um, we want you to invite some folks. Because I think there's an, uh, a pretty good assumption if they're breathing, this is an issue for them. Don't you think? I mean, if people are alive, there are not many people who are not dealing with the issue of sex. So starting next week, bring some friends. This will be a good thing for them to know about. Will you join me in welcoming Jerry and Nan to the stage? Oh, good morning. Love you guys. Love what you're doing. Love what I feel here. So, um, yeah, we are <clears throat> titled this doing life together. I could just sit down. That really is a story, doing life together. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> been, <clears throat> been in love with Nan for 53 plus years. Married almost. 52, and um, I'm in love with her more now than ever before. So 
That's what happens with love. <clears throat> I, she loves plants and animals, <clears throat> and I love her. <clears throat> so I love those others vicariously. <clears throat> but she tends plants, and um, if you bring a plant to her, it'll thrive. She will tend it, water it, feed it, turn it to the light. <clears throat> and relationships are a little bit like that. Some people, you give them a plant, and then two days later, it hasn't been tended. So we've been tending one another all these years. <clears throat> and uh, as a result, we're thriving. Um, now, can I just stand up and say, well, we take credit for that? No, I've been telling you, it's been a gift from God. Yeah. It has been a gift from God. And one thing that characterizes our relationship is just deep, deep gratitude. Most couples fall, you know, when they get married, they are in love. But the in love type of love is a seed. I mean, it has to be nurtured. <laughs> has to be fed. <clears throat> and so what I would say is that really loving somebody is a journey against our basic selfishness. And that's true for everybody. <clears throat> so I've been learning how to love Nan all these years. I'm still learning. Um, we're still learning to love other people too. <laughs> you found that out? Yeah. God is love. Love your enemies. Love those who don't like you. Um, so I say doing life together is God's nursery for people development. God is developing us as people. Um, I didn't know I was selfish when I married you. <laughs> Not until I saw the effects of it on you. Neither did I know that I was proud until I saw how it registered on her. And that's where I learned that, you know, what God told Adam. It says, it's not good for a man to dwell alone. I was recently with an old friend <clears throat> who's never been married. And I spent some time with him. And I saw in his life what it was like to live absolutely alone and get no feedback. No reflection. No, no look in the mirror. <clears throat> so there's just all this he doesn't know about himself. And that's one of the things that God is doing in marriage is preparing us to be before him, to become <clears throat> like him. So I say there is a cost to love, but the rewards, man, so far above the cost. I mean, God is love. When he gives us the opportunity to love, nothing like it. So I'm asking Ann to share a little of our story. So well, help us out. Are you in the mood for a love story this morning? <laughs> because ours is a love story. And it's a grace story. Um, it didn't happen the way I thought it would. I thought that, um, that I would go off to college, meet somebody, fall in love, graduate, get married. God had a different plan. I was only 13 when my older brother brought his best friend from prep school home to our house in Colorado Springs before they went to the Air Force Academy. 
And I found out he had a sister. <laughs> yeah. <No. laughs> um, I was standing at the top of our basement stairs, and Frank brought Jerry up, and Jerry had a bottle of perfume in his hand for my mother. Smile on his face, twinkly eyes, dimples. <laughs> I courted her. <laughs> the <Your> mother. mother. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, my first impressions of him were that he was a gentleman. He had been taught well at home. I watched him around my parents. He was confident. He was at ease with them. Um, actually, he was in our home quite a bit that first year because the first year Air Force cadets could only leave base if they were having dinner at an officer's home. So Frank brought his friends home a lot, <coughs> which gave me an opportunity to get to know him, and, and it gave my parents an opportunity to get to know him. And that was really important to me, what they felt, what they thought. And looking back on that, I see that that was really a gift from God of protection over my life. That's right. Knowing that he had favor in their eyes gave me permission when the time was right, when he started pursuing me, gave me permission to let my heart go out to him. Um, and that happened when I was about 15. Um, there had been rumors that my father was going to be stationed in Europe. So Jerry thought he was going to wait a little longer before dating me, but he couldn't because we were leaving. Carpe diem. <laughs> so by the time we left, we were in love, and... I was wearing his academy uh, pin, and he had spoken to my father about marrying me at his first convenience, which we thought would be two years. So um, he took me home with him that summer as my parents were packing up the house, getting ready to leave. And I really recommend that uh, for anyone who is considering marrying someone, that they spend time in the other person's home. Gave me a real, a deeper glimpse into Jerry getting to know his parents, getting to know his, uh, the community in which he grew up and his home. So we faced a year of separation. And of course, my parents loved Jerry, and so they gave their consent. But they also thought, well, they're so young, and there's going to be a year separation, and this is really going to be tested. And it, it was tested, of course, by being separated. We wrote every day. I was no fun to be around that year, I'm sure, if you could ask my parents. They took me to beautiful places all over Europe that were completely lost on me. All I cared about was going home and being near Jerry. So I went to my, um, the principal of my high school, and I said, could I just double up on English and graduate a year early? Because I already had a lot of credits. He said, sure. So I did that. I applied to colleges all around the Air Force Academy. Um, Jerry came over to visit for his uh, Christmas break, and then that June, we were secretly married in my parents' home, because the cadets were not supposed to be married. No, and, no paperwork. Yeah. Was married by a pastor her, in her father and mother's presence. So after a two-day honeymoon <clears throat> in Geneva, Switzerland, he flew back to the States, and uh, I went to school in Denver, and that next year, our first married year was like a year secret honeymoon. We were so happy. My loyalty had completely changed from my parents to my husband. I love my parents, but Jerry became the first in my life 
the person I loved most, the person I respected the most, the person I wanted to be with all the time, the person whose opinion, uh, feelings I cared about the most. And then we were publicly married in the cadet chapel that June and went off happily to pilot training. We thought our love was the best that had ever happened. We were, you know, of all of the historic romances in history, we had top place. That's what we thought. <laughs> and um, then one weekend, Jerry had a cross country. And I was really lonely. So, uncharacteristically, I just flopped my Bible open, thinking I would get some comfort. And the verse that my eyes fell on was Matthew 10, 37. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. It went right into my heart. I thought I was a Christian. But I realized then that my parents and my husband came first. And so God put his finger right on what he had given to us, this loyal, fierce love, and said, I have to be first. So when Jerry came home, bless him, I had a million questions. My world was filled with questions. Why are we here? How do we know we're doing what we're supposed to be doing? What's our purpose? How do we know that we're, we belong to God? So we started seeking together. Yeah. Well, I came home. <clears throat> Her questions became my questions. And we did that together as well. Um, we asked questions, read books, <clears throat> looked at different possible religions, all that culminated one night was uh, April Fool's Night. <laughs> and uh, we met with some other officers and their wives who had just come to Christ. And uh, they confirmed our salvation, let, led us to pray in a way that made our salvation really clear, laid hands on us. We were filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, <clears throat> and we did it together. Every step is just continued to bind us together. Uh, our firstness, putting God first now means that, and it has for the last 50 years, <clears throat> that every morning we, we seek God together. Uh, all the men that I try to mentor, disciple, I endeavor to get them to do that. Um, not always successful. Um, but we journal, <clears throat> we read scripture, we study. I usually pray pray through a psalm, we memorize, we meditate, we share, um, and then we pray. Uh, this is just a foundation, not only for God, but becomes a foundation for our relationship. She's definitely my best friend. Um, in <clears throat> 1 Peter 3.7 gives advice to husbands. It says, you husbands, in the same way, meaning as Christ, live with your wives in an understanding way. If you're going to understand your wife, that's a day-by-day, -day, lifetime thing, because we all change. Um, we're not the same people we were 15 years ago, none of us. 
for better or worse. We're, we're, there are seasons in life. And so <clears throat> understanding means for me to pay attention to her. And um, it's, that's, my, that's my absolute joy. Um, I just got through spending, I just ordained a pastor in Japan this past week. <clears throat> I didn't really know him. Um, so in dealing with him personally, I realized, you don't know anything about marriage. He's <laughs> been married eight or nine years, got a kid. And <clears throat> I tried to coach him on, listen, you want to know everything about your wife. You, you want to know what she thinks, what she's feeling. I wanted her to unpack her day. When I came home from Japan a couple days ago, she had pages that she had written each day. So I would know what she was thinking. I have to communicate with him. <laughs> <laughs> um, it says, as with someone weaker, in some ways she's stronger, but not physically, you know. Some, some folks today say, you know, there are no role distinctions, just you're the exact same. So in the middle of the night, there's, you hear a noise downstairs. You say, well, honey, it's your time to take the pistol and go down and check it out. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> so um, show her honor. That's my great pleasure. All my, by the time they were two, if a child of mine stuck her tongue out at man, they, they lived to tell it, but they were sorry that they did that. And it says, <clears throat> we're fellow heirs of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. I never belittle her. I never ingest or any other way. It's my pleasure to honor her. I freely confess my sins day by day to God in her presence. And uh, the reason is, as she with me, I consider that a part of my leadership. Go first. Confess your sins first. Uh, I practice that with any form of leadership. And the reason we can do that is that we're safe. God loves us. He doesn't condemn us. And I'm safe with her. Uh, thank God. Uh, Proverbs 3, <clears throat> uh, 31, I'm sorry, 12 says, she does him good and not evil all the days of his life. And I, I want to tell you, that's my story about her, which is why I don't keep any secrets from her. Uh, I said that in the presence of a friend. And he said, oh, I, I could never do that with my wife. I said, why not? He said, oh, she would use it against me. I just thought, man. See, in marriage, there's no power struggle. <laughs> the two are becoming one. It's either a win-win or a lose-lose. Mm -hmm. And so we are enjoying the win. So if you ask me, what makes marriage work? We're going to say it's doing it God's way. <clears throat> but he designed marriage to be a prophecy, a drama of how Jesus loves his bride which is why the devil hates it so much from the very beginning. Um, it, it, it's a prophetic <clears throat> picture. Um, 
And that only works with selfless love. And that has to be learned, certainly by me. <clears throat> so I start with Ephesians 5.21, which a lot of times in marriage, they don't start with that verse, which is submit one to another. And yes, I'm the leader and I'm responsible to take initiative and to seek her welfare. But it's my great pleasure to do things, many things her way with her preference. Um, it's my joy to do that. So there, are there ways I submit to my wife? Absolutely. Without in any way being not the leader. Uh, that's what, part of what leaders do. Um, now, verses 22 to 24 in Ephesians, <clears throat> it talks about submission, which is a delicate topic for many. Uh, she's great at answering questions. But she says, honey, she would lose sleep for three nights to try to prepare for that topic. But you ask her questions in private, you'll, you'll get all the answers. Uh, <clears throat> if I love her like Christ, which I don't, I mean, that's impossible. <laughs> but that's my goal. That's the bar. And there's the grace of God to constantly move toward that. But it doesn't mean that she doesn't have opinions, my word. She has, she's the smartest lady I know, the wisest lady I know. She's my first counselor. I'm going to get counsel from her before I do anything major at all. The uh, only thing I wouldn't consult her for is what new exercise routine I would have. Um, Jesus calls himself the bridegroom. He identifies with being the husband. And he girds himself and washes the feet of his disciples, his bride. And he did not see that as any way lessening his leadership. On the, on the contrary. <clears throat> and the church is to respect Jesus, follow Jesus. But there's got to be that love, trust, but and I guess God's telling you wives that even if your husband isn't perfect, which we aren't, <clears throat> that your attitude is still, God graces that attitude in a woman. He likes that in the church. It models something. Unfortunately, we can see that some husbands are abusive, passive, absentee, narcissistic. Um, and of course, I've trained, I've married, we've married hundreds of people. Um, interestingly enough, I was thinking about that driving over here, honey. I bet you the divorce rate among the ones we've done premarital counseling, the divorce rate over all these years, 43 years of pastoring, is about 2%. Mm -hmm. Why? Because there are ways that work. Love works. Um, unconditional love is always a choice. I had the good pleasure of walking with Troy Hines when he was asking Whitney to marry him. I did their premarital. I gave them, <clears throat> they're sitting right over there. And I gave them this computer test that te gives you all these thousands of questions. And they weren't too close together. I mean, they were like, hmm, 
they were different, really different. I watched Troy choose to unconditionally love Whitney. And I'm telling you, in the weeks that we counseled, it was like, it was like watching a miracle. It was a miracle. He chose to love her. And by the time we got to the wedding, it was just, I mean, they were just united in love. And then to see them have a child and run into them all the time, and there's this big grin. Unconditional love does that. Every couple will, at times, disagree and even argue. We are two sinners. <laughs> we have two different wills. Yet God is constantly joining us and making us one. And one of our very first rules that we were obeying before, before we even knew it was in Scripture, which was not to, in your anger, don't sin. Now, we didn't know that part. But the part about not going to bed angry at night. No, we didn't go to bed disunified. Um, we may have done that once or twice and get up in the morning. It's like, this does not work. Staying in unity. Getting things resolved. Not going to bed. If we go to bed angry and let that fester, it says not to give place to the devil. It's like saying, Here's a place, devil, where you can come and eat my lunch. That's what happens when you go to bed at night. Something not talked through, not resolved, not apologized for. And I'm the leader, which means it's my job to be the first to recognize my sin, to call it out, to apologize, to be the first to reach. Now, sometimes she beats me to it, and then she's the leader. But it's my job to take that first. There are then what we call now the rules of engagement. I would say that these are pretty instinctive. But I've counseled, we've counseled thousands. So we know that I teach it now. Um, no name calling. No shouting, screaming, cursing. No slamming stuff. No withdrawing. No talking about your marriage unless there's somebody that's in qualified, it's doing a good job, and it's confidential. You don't share about your marriage. You never say, you always, you never. Um, no physical force. And one of the things, I hate, I hate this phrase, my old lady, my old man. It's like, get out of here. Yeah. <clears throat> Never speak negatively about your mate in front of children or friends. Never compare your mate. Never watch pornography. Pornography is poison. Just pure poison. Now, we know that people have trouble with it. And I want to tell you, there's plenty of help right here in this church for you to go free if that's your, that's your battle. It is poison. A to-do list. Treat your wife like a lady. Treat your husband like a gentleman. People tend to live up to how you treat them. Use your manners at home. Uh, keep yourself groomed and attractive for your mate. My wife likes to dress for me. If I don't like it, 
She doesn't want to wear it. She, you know, she wants to put her makeup on and dress for me at home. Not just when she goes out. Um, I appreciate that. Um, practice self-control. Don't react when you don't understand in your mate, when you don't understand something. Find out what's, what's, the, what's really going on here. Where is this hurt coming from? See, we all have past. We all have stuff that's behind us. This is associated with this, and particularly with women where, you know, women are like spaghetti, right? Everything's connected. Find out. <laughs> um, I just ordained this guy in Japan, and I told him in a ceremony, be a one-woman man. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm old now, but I didn't, women didn't hit on me when I was young. Why? I radiate. I'm a one-woman man. There, there is no one else for me. Now, some of you may remember this story. I've told it years ago here. But the scripture says to nourish and cherish your wife. Well, my father, let's okay, I'll back up. My mother died when she was 73 of cancer. So a few years later, my father remarried. And the three of us, his children, we all said, you know, that's cool. But she's a good lady. But the two of you are really not compatible. We don't advise it. Well, of course, I mean, to say the least, dad didn't listen. So he married the lady. <clears throat> a few years later, he wanted to move in with his, with his uh, daughter, my sister. And all three of us said, no way. You married this lady. You're living with this lady. <laughs> so I sat down and I taught him the five love languages. I had, I had led my, my father to Christ when he was about 59. So he didn't have much teaching. And... So I taught him the five love languages and physical touch, quality time, words of affirmation, serving, gift giving. I made him a list <laughs> every day. I said, I want you to touch her twice with affection, like here or here or here. Every day, I want you to listen. I want you to, he's retired, right? I said, I want you to sit down and look into her eyes and talk to her for at least an hour every day, quality time. I said, words of affirmation. Every day, I want you to say something true and positive. Thank you. That's great that you do that. I so like that. <laughs> and, and serving, which was definitely not my dad's strong point. It wasn't mine either. That was my weakest. I say was because I've worked to correct it. I love serving my wife now, but I had to learn. So every day I want you, Dad, to do something for her that she doesn't expect. And every week I want you to bring her a gift, not something for the kitchen. <laughs> right? That would have been my dad. So I came back in two months. I said, well, Dad, how's Dorothy? He says, well, she's much better. <laughs> Uh, wonder why. See, and this is where I disagree with the guys who wrote this book about five love languages. Love speaks all five. 
I want to tell you, my wife speaks all five to me. She really does. I couldn't even tell you which one is her favorite. All five are her favorite. Love learns to speak five ways. See? And like I say, I, I have had to seriously learn. To serve. I love serving my wife. But that's been over a lifetime. Our hope for you, you notice she's not talking. He loves me. <laughs> he said I didn't have to talk much. That's the reason. <laughs> That's the reason. Our hope for you is that you'll see <clears throat> how God has designed your marriage to be a picture of Christ in his church. See? That's what's ultimately at stake with your marriage. And by the way, if you do it his way, with his love, it will also make you happy. <clears throat> now, if you're going to discover the meaning and the joy of marriage, you'll understand that there is a cross. Now, what do I mean by that? <clears throat> that means, thank God, I can be forgiven of my pride or my selfishness or my preoccupation. I can be Forgiven once it's seen and I bring it to Christ, he, he offers me forgiveness. And then there's a power in the cross to deliver me. I can receive Christ's humility. I can receive his desire. Or here's a place I have trouble, not with her, but outside the home. I'm, you know, she hates it when I say this, but I'm not naturally patient. <laughs> I'm, you know, type A, right? God loves patience. <laughs> so I often have to go to the cross to be forgiven and download some grace. And because God loves me, he likes to put me in situations when I need what I don't have, which is patience. He's teaching me. I'm learning. So the, the deal is Christ is the source. We can't do that without Christ in us. It's the gospel of Jesus where the power comes and armed with his love, then I can choose to unconditionally love my wife. Now, fortunately, it's been easy because she's respected me and loved me. So it, it's been easy. If you're married, more than likely you took a vow. Uh, in sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer, Till death, right? That's a vow. If you're single, and right now we're starting a church in Boone, North Carolina, and most of my, our small little church, they're men, 21, 22 years of age, and they're all thinking about getting married. And uh, these guys are amazing. I, I'd never run across young men like this. Jimmy, they're wearing, these guys were wearing uh, purity rings. Yeah. I mean, they just we're virgins and we're going to stay that way until we get married. I was like, whoa, that was like amazing. And we, we start in the church right in the middle of Party Central. Um, just tell you, they were sitting on the front porch and the girl next door came by. She said, I want to show you my tattoo. They said, we don't want to see your tattoo. She just couldn't understand. They showed her. They showed them their purity rings, and we we're planning to stay. She was like, 
blown away. We were there to start a church. But so I tell these young men, yes, we want chemistry with a girl, but it's character. That's what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. I didn't know much about articulating a character. One of the things I saw in Nan when I saw her in her home was the type of loyal love she had toward her family. A fierce love. I said, I want to live with her. Uh, it's character. <clears throat> now, if you want to be happy in your marriage, it will involve unconditional love. And what I would say is a marriage problem is a love problem. Paul says, and I'll close with this. Um, right before he gets to marriage, he just says some words that apply to, to our marriage. Let no unwholesome word come out, proceed from your mouth. You're a Christian? You follow Christ? Man, that works well in your marriage. But only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. Don't grieve the Spirit of God. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander and any... All malice, that means like any meanness. Get rid of that nonsense. How do you do that? Through Christ. That's the cross. He will deliver you from it. Be kind to one another. Tender, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Well, <laughs> we would like to pray over your marriages, to believe that God will just give you fresh vision, fresh way of embracing unconditional love. So, it's amazing how God blesses that choice. Father, Nan and I want to just pray for marriages here in the room. I'm so glad you invented marriage, Father. <laughs> it's such a wonderful thing. And we're so glad that you, Lord Jesus, came to love your bride and to give yourself for her. And Father, I want to just pray for husbands that you'll help us to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Pray for the women, darling. Father, I just thank you for these women who love you. And I do pray, Lord, that, that you'd bless them. If they're married, bless them in their marriage. Show them ways to love and respect their husbands, Father. Give them what they need, Father. If they're not married, I just pray that you would give them uh, your vision for marriage and hope and expectation in you. Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information about us, you can go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash gracelifeme and on Twitter at gracelifechurch.com.